Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy. A lot to get into. Let's start right at the top with the top team in the nation. The Ohio State Buckeyes get the number one ranking in the first iteration of the college football playoff rankings of this season, Patrick. We talked about this yesterday. I, I, I said if I had to pick Ohio State, I think it would be number one, I believe is what I said. But I also said I won't be surprised if they are number one. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Georgia was number one and Ohio State was number two. Bottom line is I'm glad it worked out like it did. And uh, let me ask you this. Coach Day said it's a fun thing for fans, you know, yada, yada, yada. Do you feel it might be a little bit different having the number one seed like or number one ranking? Do you feel like, like there's actual meaning behind it? Well, I think it speaks to what you've done thus far. And look, I understand that he doesn't want to make a big deal about it because they have – four more games to play. They haven't accomplished anything. This doesn't win you anything. There are, I think, two teams that have started off uh, the the rankings number one and didn't even make the college football playoffs. So there's no accomplishment here yet. And that's, I think, Coach Day's point. Uh, but I do think it speaks to what they've done. Uh, have they been perfect? No. But if you look at everybody in the country right now, they have the best resume. Um, as they talked about on ESPN Afterwards, are they the best team in terms of talent and the team most likely to win the national championship? I think you could debate that, but we don't have a full uh, picture of everybody's season yet. So I think as of right now, this is the top team in the country and we'll see how things play out. Obviously, teams like Georgia and Michigan, if you look down uh, the, the rest of the schedule, I have here the, the remaining strength of schedules pulled out. Michigan's is number one because they have to face both Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, Georgia, number six, that's because they have to face. 
uh, you know, Missouri, who's number two, and Ole Miss, who's number 10, Tennessee, who's number 17. So, like, there are opportunities here for teams like Michigan and Georgia to climb over Ohio State. But we all know, really all that matters is win your games and you're going to be in this thing, right? And it's just a nice thing to start out number one. It's just like Georgia being number one in the preseason. You know, it's just a respect thing at this point, except you actually played games. Here's why I think it has meaning. Um, now, I don't want it to play out like this, but because um, I, I, I'm i pretty confident Ohio State's going to get the job done in Ann Arbor. I'm not like, you know, I wouldn't like mortgage my house on it or bet my house on it or anything. But I'm, I'm you know, I'm confident Ohio State's going to get the job done against Michigan. But let's say Ohio State looks good these next three weeks. They go to Michigan. They were still number one by the CFP. Um, the committee's talking them up. They lose a close game in Ann Arbor. And that's their only loss. They're sitting there at 11 and one and they were number one. Now it's possible they could drop from one to five, but even last year, they now nah, they needed a lot of help last year. This year they wouldn't need as much help. Uh, my point is them being number one right now, um, two things. I think it, it could help them get in if they finish 11 and one with a close loss at Michigan B if they do win out, I think they're going to stay ahead of Georgia. I don't think Georgia would then jump them um, like LSU did, for example, in 2019, um, especially with the win at Michigan and the Big Ten Championship on top of that. So I think for seeding, it's important. And I think just in case something bad happens in Ann Arbor, I think it's good because it gives them a chance to have a second life. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it yesterday. You, Steve, and I, you know, say you have a really bad game at Rutgers this week, right? Um and, and you lose a tight game there and you have to then make up for that these next few weeks. Well, you're playing from a position of strength because you've already been perceived as the number one team. So I think to your point that that is valid. And as long as you get one of the top two seeds um, now, obviously the top seed, you're, you're closer to home, so to speak. Uh, I think that would be the, what is it? The sugar bowl and the Rose bowl or the semifinals this year. Is that what it is? I know the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah, New Orleans and yeah, I believe so. New Orleans and LA. Yep. Yeah. So you you know if you are the number one team in the country, I guess you get to play at the Sugar Bowl as opposed to the Rose Bowl. For Ohio State, I don't know if that matters because fans are everywhere and, and Buckeye Nation travels so well. Um, but yeah, the top two teams you you get to get to be the higher seeded team. So in theory, the more favorable matchup. Plus, you get to wear your home jerseys, which is always fun. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it definitely puts you in in a spot where there is a little bit more margin for error, but, and while I do think there will be teams that lose that, you know, you're not going to end the season with four undefeated teams. I doubt um, you never know. And so you want to be in the best position possible. Winning your games certainly has put Ohio state there. Now go out and, and close the deal these next four weeks. All right. It's, you know, it's football and injuries are going to happen. Overall, Ohio State's been pretty fortunate this year, but they're starting to mount up. It's not all bad on the injury front. We'll get to it. Emeka is probably going to be back. Devin Brown sounds like he's back very lightly practicing. I don't think he's going to play this week or anything like that. Probably not even next week, but he has a high ankle sprain. You're not going to come back for that in, in two weeks. Um, are you really going to risk uh, re-injuring it? But Mayan is out for the season. I mean, that, you know, if, as I said yesterday when we did our instant reaction, if Travion and Chip stay healthy, not a big deal. If one or, dare I say, both those guys go down, big deal. I mean, Mayan was a nice insurance policy. Mayan was a good goal line back. Mayan was a good short yardage back. And they struggle the short yardage and the goal line. So um, that was unexpected and bad news. Mayan has some type of a knee injury. And um, they're not even sure if he's going to be back next year. Coach Day said they haven't crossed that bridge yet, 
But uh, not good news for the 2023 Buckeyes not having Mayan Williams. Well, I think the next year thing was more about him deciding whether or not he wanted to return than injury related. Um, right. he, he did say he has enough. Mayan has another year of eligibility. Um, I, you know, obviously up to, to Mayan and his family, but I would be surprised given he didn't have a productive year this year that if he's not back next season, um, you said it, if, if Travion Henderson and Chip Tranum are, are healthy, They've been the top two backs, so you, you don't lose a ton there, though I do think Mayan at the goal line is is productive, um, also in other short yard situations. But if Devin Brown can get back in a couple weeks, now you've got that back in your arsenal. Uh, I think the big thing here, and, and this is unfortunate for Mayan Williams, especially coming off of the season he had last year, uh, but I think it's it's Dallin Hayden be on higher alert. And look, this kid has been ready every time Ohio State has needed him, and I know people want to see more of him, so – just be ready if you're Dallin Hayden. Uh, again, I hope for for everyone's sake that everybody stays healthy and, and they can be a productive rushing offense like we saw last week at Wisconsin. But I, you, these things happen, and this running back room has been weird these last two seasons, right? So if I'm Dallin Hayden, I'm, I'm making sure everything's ready to go for me uh, in case, you know, be it this week or or two weeks or you know up in Ann Arbor. You're, you're ready to step in that game if they need it and, and continue to do what he's done coming off the bench and, and being ready to at a moment's notice. Covering Ryan Day now for five years as head coach, seven years overall, you know, including his two years as an assistant coach, three games as an interim head coach that second year. Um, there's something about him when he answers a question where it's like, ooh, there's more to the story here. And you and I had the exact same reaction to the Lathan Ransom situation yesterday. Yeah. When he was asked, how long is Lathan going to be out? He didn't say like, not going to talk about it. He didn't say, I expect him to play. He said something very ominous, like, well, we we think we know, but we're not going to say anything until the end of the week or later in the week. It, it just sounded to me like if I had to translate that, that is a multiple week situation, probably not season ending, but something to be concerned about. And Lathan Ransom has been playing some great football. So what did you make of what Coach Day said about Lathan Ransom? Yeah, I think it it reading between the lines, it's a – Injury that's not what they would have liked, but not the worst case scenario where he's going to be out, you know, the rest of the season and, and you know, talking about off season and when he gets back and things like that. Um, I also imagine that Coach Day wants to be able, you know, they want to make sure they communicate everything to his family. We've heard this before. Remember, this is a kid who broke his leg a couple of years ago in the Rose Bowl. This isn't the first time he's gone through any sort of injury. So they, they just want to make sure they handle it right with him. Um, but I do think it's positive that it wasn't you know, like with Mayan, they had the opportunity to tell us, Hey, he's going to be done for the season. Um, so reading between the lines there, I think there is some positive news, but yeah, I mean, you're missing what's been one of your, your better defensive players this year. And there's been a number of them, but he certainly has been a, a key factor for this improvement in the secondary. And uh, you know, now he's going to miss at least some time. They do have options to step up, as we discussed yesterday. But this is this this guy has been your starting uh, adjuster or bandit, excuse me, safety for the entire season so far for a reason. He's he's the best option there. And you know, do you need him in the next three weeks? Probably not. Do you need him against Michigan? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably if you can get him back during the regular season, that's what you're looking for. Beyond that, if there is a college football playoff. Certainly, I would think, kind of given the timeline, we're guessing at that that he should be back for that. But certainly, the Michigan game is one where you'd love to have 
as as close to a hundred percent football team as as capable as you're capable of having, and and he's certainly a part of that. Yeah, and again, I agree with you. Like, if if this was a season ender, I think we would know it either through sources or yeah. Coach Day just would have told us this is you know. Um, and we have Chad saying uh, General Bob Carpenter is saying he'll be back before the end of the year, meaning Lathan Ransom will be back before the end of the year. Yeah, I wonder if Bobby means, um, you know, sometime this calendar year or before the end of the regular season, because those are two vastly different things. Like like Patrick saying they need him against Michigan. So hopefully he's able to come back against Michigan. Doesn't sound like a season ender. Let's move on and talk about Kyle McCord. Um Dealing with an ankle injury, went into the game with an ankle injury and looked like he re-injured it when he had that scramble. They fell on his legs, was definitely in some pain. Tough kid. Um, there's no doubt about that. But um, I wonder how much this is affecting his mechanics. I think he w- didn't have the best mechanics, frankly, before the ankle injury. So I don't know how much that plays into it. But um, not to repeat what I've been saying, but I'll repeat what I've been saying. Uh, I just see a lack of of mechanics from him, you know, just, you know, just quarterback 101 stuff like you got to step up in the pocket you got to step into your throws he just keeps dropping way 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 back it feels like anytime he gets hit I'm nervous he's going to fumble the football um he has this kind of a sidearm motion when he throws I just man um it just doesn't seem to be getting better with Kyle McCord and now he's banged up Patrick I think with Kyle when it's good you see how good it can be but it's not always good right and and maybe not good as good as it's not as good as often as you would like um, right now. Look, I I've said it a couple times now. I think that this is more the normal trajectory of a first year starting quarterback that Ohio state fans are used to with their last three. Um, but I do think that there is an expectation with Ohio state quarterbacks, even first year starters that uh, you you're supposed to be and coach days said it in the past you're supposed to be a Heisman Trophy contender as as a uh, Ohio State starting quarterback. He has not been that. We haven't heard Coach Day talk about that this year, which uh, is interesting. But, um, you know, I, the, the one thing with Kyle, I think as the game goes on, he seems to get better. You look at his numbers in the fourth quarter especially, um, and I think this past game, I think he was seven for seven in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, obviously he had the drive at Notre Dame. He was good in the end against Penn State. He's had he, he I don't know if it's a warming up thing. Like he's he's just got to get into it a little bit more. Uh maybe this is something they they talk to him about over the offseason. Again, I, I assume he'll be back next year. Um, you know, trying to get yourself going before the game more or, or something like that. And I know people have talked about his energy and and not seeing as much emotion out. You know, maybe you need to fire him up before the game just to get him kind of in and settled and ready to go uh this is all speculation on my part but it just seems like as the game goes on he finds a way to get into that groove and you'd like to have him be in that groove early on now i do think there are some mechanical things that they can certainly work on uh you're probably a little bit disappointed that some of these things haven't been worked out already but like i said when he's in line when he's got his feet set when when things are good he's really good now he has to continue to develop when everything's not perfect which is kind of what coach day was talking about having a plan for when things don't go as you hope they do right and so that's kind of the next step for him because with an offensive line that hasn't been fantastic and you know receivers being out Travion being out you've had to kind of go off script a little bit more, even if that means just moving around in the pocket. And so he's got to improve in that area for sure. 
as I said, it's not all bad on the injury front. Sounds really positive with Emeka. I think he could have played last week, maybe even the week before, but they wanted to play it safe with Emeka. That'll be big for this offense. Kyle will like that a lot, not just having Marvin out there, but having his other superstar wide receiver out there. Because, I mean, Julian Fleming, you know, good blocker, great kid. I'm glad he's on the team, but he's not Emeka. Not that they play the same position. And, you know, I mean, they've been moving Marvin around a lot, which is very smart. It's hard to, you know, what a smart thing to do. You don't just put Marvin on the outside and just leave him there. Move him in the slot, move him all around, and it's certainly working. Um, but getting a Mecca back will be big. Is that your read as well, that a Mecca is going to play this week? Yeah. I, I'm honestly surprised he didn't play last week. Uh, two weeks ago during warm-ups, he's warming up. He's doing everything. They do this thing before they do like 11-on-11 11 11 as like the final thing in warm-ups where the offense and the defense lines up the defense, I think is in the end zone and the offense is at the 50 yard line. They all kind of run at each other and guys have different like handshakes and stuff they do. And Emeka's, you know, leaning down on the injured ankle, like pointing and stuff. And then he goes and jumps and high fives. I forget who it was on the defensive side. And I was like, Oh, he's good to go. And then he's, he's just not warming up with the starters. He's not out there at the start of the game and he doesn't play. Same thing this past week at Purdue. Um, you know, he, he looks ready on the sideline. I just think they, they understand you know, we're going to need these guys. We've said it before. Same with Travion um, for, for those three weeks. Like, look at look at what happened bringing Travion back fully healthy as opposed to maybe rushing him back for Penn State. You got arguably his best performance. I know statistically it wasn't his best game, but I think the way he, he just kind of looked – like the Travion Henderson you expect against a pretty good Wisconsin defense. I think that's the benefit of holding them out an extra week if you can. And Ohio State was able to get through the Penn State game without Travion. They were able to get through Wisconsin without Emeka. Now I think, A, they will be better for it in terms of their production, and B, you risk less in terms of a, uh, a second injury. So uh, I think it's smart if you can do it. Ohio State has the depth and has been able to make it through. So that's kind of my read on the situation. I would be shocked if he does not play this week at Rutgers, at least in some capacity, to kind of get him back in the groove of, of playing these games again. Because what are we, on a month now since he's last played? Yeah, he's missed three games. Yeah, yeah, he's missed three games. He didn't make, he didn't make the trip to uh, Purdue. Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. And then, he, then he did, right. yeah. Um, did travel this – yeah, he made the, obviously made the trip to Wisconsin – yeah, and that's another thing. Coach Day said he could have played last week if they needed him. So, right. to me, that next step is you actually play in a game. Um, the fact that two weeks ago he was dressed but wasn't going to play. This week he was dressed and was able to play if they had needed him. And, honestly, I'm a little surprised. You, you kind of got down into the depths of your, your available wide receivers on the road when Julian Fleming is out of the game for a little bit there. You got Carnell Tate and Xavier Johnson as your only two really healthy receivers other than, than Marvin Harrison. So it got to a point where maybe they were on the line of, do we get a Mecca in there? Devin Brown, as mentioned, um, allegedly he returned to practice very lightly yesterday. I don't know if we'll find out more about that today, tonight after practice when we speak with Coach Day um, and some of the players. Hopefully we'll learn more about Devin Brown. Regardless, I don't think he's going to play against Rutgers. It'd be nice to have him right now with McCord banged up and McCord struggling at times, but um, – Hopefully, Devin Brown, again, and just get him ready for November 25th if needed, that high ankle sprain. But it's good news, presuming he was able to practice yesterday. That's, you know, to my understanding, the first time that he had practiced since the injury, if he was able to practice. So 
good news there. Talk about that a little bit. And also, it sounds like if they need a quarterback to go in the game, if something happens to Kyle, um, or they just want to give Kyle a rest, if they're blowing Rutgers out, it's going to be seventh-year senior Tristan Jebbia and not um, true freshman Lincoln Keenholz. Yeah, certainly positive on Devin Brown. I agree with you. I'd be surprised if he plays this week. But, you, you know, again, you're going to want your full complement in a few weeks up in Ann Arbor. And uh, we, we've seen kind of the start of that Devin Brown package. I don't know how much more they really had in it. Uh, Coach Day said that there was going to be more in that Penn State game. So, look, I think against Michigan, not that you're going to need to, you know, pull out gimmick plays to win the game, but I, you know, we know this. Coaches save things for that game on both sides of the rivalry. And, you know, if, if you can expand that Devin Brown package for a big play, maybe he throws the ball when everyone's expecting to run it, something like that. Um, you certainly want him to be healthier and, and certainly available for that game. Uh, yeah. Kristen Jebbia, Tristan Jebbia, excuse me. I, I would like to see him if they can get up big in one of these last few games, just get in just to have the experience of, of playing at Ohio state, not only in case they need him for some reason down the road, but as you mentioned, a seventh year senior has played some football, but not as much as he probably would have thought started his career at Nebraska. The opportunity to say when it's all said and done and he moves on to coaching, yeah, I got in a game for Ohio State, I think would be pretty cool for him to kind of add to this story already. So if if the opportunity presents itself, I think you certainly try and get him in a game for both of those reasons. I was actually going to go sh uh, show without talking about the stuff going on in Michigan, but then <laughs> the latest stuff, because I've been talking so much about it, but really for the first time since everything happened, there wasn't like a big story every day happening yeah. uh, until yesterday when we have <laughs> – this is amazing. It just keeps getting better. It's like if you wrote this script, people would be like, no, this is too unbelievable. We're throwing this out. You got to clean this up a little bit, make it a little bit more believable. Um, the latest being Connor Stallions um, was photographed on the sideline. There's also video of it of uh, in Central Michigan gear on Central Michigan sideline when Central Michigan was playing Michigan State in the season opener this year. It gets better. Um, there's three coaches on Central Michigan, including head coach Jim McElvain, who were on, who coached at Michigan together. So, I mean, what's Connor Stallions doing on the Central Michigan sideline in Central Michigan gear? I mean, I think we know. This is just insane. Yeah, so... Sunglasses and hat at night. Yeah, he had the sunglasses on at night. Yeah. Well, you missed the best part of this, allegedly, is that, and Josh Pate, and I know a few other oh, the, people on... Yeah, it yeah. looks like these are Ray-Bans that have a camera in them yep. that you can record from your phone. So if this is Josh Stallions, if all of this is – yeah, there we go, Sue. Uh, if this – you know, this is the first – if this is all proven to be him, this is the first time we've seen him actually doing this, right, as opposed to hiring people. Um, when this first came out and, – and this picture has been floating around, I think – we were talking about it at interviews last week, so I don't know why it just popped up uh, for for the folks there at uh, at Central Michigan. But um, at first, I was like, "Well, he obviously knows some people on the staff with his connections." Michigan was that was a Friday night game to start the season. Michigan was playing on Saturday. Like, technically, I can see how you could justify this, right? Just like, oh yeah, he knows guys on the staff. He went down there. It's probably sketchy, but is it actually against NCAA rules? And then the camera thing comes out, 
and, and this is again assuming that you're proving that it's him and i i think it looks like him personally it definitely is him yeah yeah but the the camera thing comes out and i'm just like come on look it just seems again if everything here is proven to be true and he used his personal venmo and and all of these things that have just like been so easy to figure out what you 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 go through this whole detailed process to figure out ways to scout these teams illegally and all this but you don't go through the the next step of covering your tracks and you know yeah he shaved i think afterwards so that his facial hair looked different but like I don't know. It, it, and somebody pointed out he was, the, the guy was wearing Adidas shoes instead of Nike or Nike versus Adidas, things like that. Like, if you're going to do this, cover it up so that it's not this easy for people on social media to just figure these things out. Um, I don't know what's going to happen here. It's It's been ridiculous following this whole thing. And it you're, like you said, it was almost a full day without some news. And then, oh, wait, here we go. You're a young man, but I don't know. Maybe you will remember this show. It was in the mid to late 90s. I loved it. I, I can't be, believe they canceled it because it was such a great show. It was called America's Dumbest Criminals. Oh, yeah, yeah. You remember that? You do? Okay. Um, this is, especially this latest, this reminds me so much. It's like the college football version of America's Dumbest Criminals. It's like, not only are you cheating, but you're being idiotic about it. Like, there's a story in The Athletic today talking about, like, it's really cool. If you have an athletic subscription, um, they have 50 anonymous coaches in college football around current coaches. So like head coaches, coordinators, support staff guys, a little bit of everything granted anonymity so they could be candid. And they're all like, this is a huge advantage. And they, like, a lot of the coaches were making fun of them for how stupid they are. They, they, they should just get busted just for being stupid. But seriously, it reminds me of that show America's dumbest criminals. I mean, not only were they brazen, not only was this a vast cheating operation, but they were completely stupid about it. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I, I just, again, if you're going to go through all these lengths to get these advantages in order to, to start winning, again, assuming everything is true, how could you not also work to at least try and cover it up? Like, okay, maybe you thought people wouldn't recognize the sunglasses, but your own personal vet, I mean, it's just so easy. You could create a Venmo account then people would at least have to dig into the back channels of Venmo to figure out if it's you, but not at Connor Stallions or whatever, you know, I mean, make it, make it tough for these guys. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's ridiculous. No, it's, it's good for comedic purposes. That's for sure. All right. Well, great stuff out of Patrick Murphy. Thank you very much to Patrick. Thank you to all of our listeners and viewers. Really appreciate uh, all the comments and questions. Uh, just appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks again to Patrick. Thank you to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 